Pelotero Pickle episode 33. We're talking opening day coming up this week. So we're getting into best opening day stories. Which players and teams should be watching? Who's going to win the MVP? We're talking about the speed of the game. Slumps being a choice. And should Jack Leiter opt out? Here's a quick answer. No, he shouldn't. Check it out. Pickle, 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 episode 33, March 29th, MLB opening day is Thursday, I believe. Chris, who's going to win the World Series this year? The team that gets there and then wins four games first. No, so I actually... Patrick is not with us today. He's, he loaded us, loaded us up with topics of things that we hate doing, which is like predictions and who's going to win. And we're, we, we modified the show, so we'll just go with that. The funny thing is, is I have the National League teed up. Just teed up. I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. Dodgers are going to win. You ready? The Dodgers are going to win the West. Padres are going to be one of the wild card teams. Cardinals are going to win the Central. The Mets are going to win the East. And the Braves are going to be the other wild card team. That's for all five. That's it. It's a wrap. Everybody else can just not try. They should just not show up for the season. I just remembered that Arenado's on the Cardinals now. That might switch my uh, MVP pick. I knew you were going to say that because I already had him in the back of my mind. But I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I got Paul Goldschmidt winning the NL MVP. Did he just – he didn't really – did he have a bad year last year? Last year's a wash. Last year didn't count. He's still on the Diamondbacks in my mind. He never – he's not even with the Cardinals. Goldschmidt played pretty good last year. Arnado did not. But I think he was checked out of Colorado. That's why. He was just out. Over it. Paul Goldschmidt's on the Diamondbacks, so forever in my head. So it's fine. Yeah, except he plays for the Cardinals, though. I just want to, I'm just checking the stats real quick. He, 304, six homers, 58 games. I mean, he's a good player. Played pretty good. Played good. They made um, the playoffs. They could have, they, well, everybody they could have the energy this year. Do they have pitching? Do the Cardinals have pitching? They always have pitching. Yeah, the Cardinal way. Um, let's jump into topics. Opening day. What is your best favorite uh, as a player or a fan opening day story? I started on op- baseball. Started on opening day, 2000, 2014 and two thousand sixteen. I got the nod. Opening day. It's always pretty cool. Two thousand fourteen was my first one, and. Uh, I got our first I'm hit. There for that. Yeah, I got our first hit off Chris Sale. So that was exciting. Uh, when, you, yep. when you get your first hit, your first at bat off Chris Sale, you're doing something all right. That's my f- favorite player story, I think. It has to be. Right? Yeah. My so favorite story was my first professional at bat. I hit a homer. So that's that'll be my best. It's not the big leagues. Ooh, not as cool as your homer stories, but – uh, still a cool story. John Kelly, thanks for throwing me that fastball down in so I could sneak it down the line. He broke a bat out of that. He had like a 10 pitch at bat. It was good. Yeah. The three one, the th- the crazy thing was the three one pitch was like a fastball down in. I barreled it up. I mean, barreled and the, then my bat exploded. It was like a soft line dry foul, just shattered barrel. And then my the three two pitch got jammed like crazy, should have broken it, and it didn't break, and then I hit on the next pitch. That's how you knew you had a good bat when you get jammed and the bat doesn't break. Yeah. I wish my bat had broken in two. 
they were the only two bats I had in spring training. They were like Louisville Slugger, Black Barrel, and like the handle was reddish. It was like a pink red kind of like it, it's probably just a 271 because I had no pop and couldn't swing anything heavier. Uh, very, very tapered handle. Just exploded. Absolute explosion. Like I'm talking, the barrel went flying and my the handle was in my hand kind of explosion. So good my favorite. I'm my favorite. I'm First, first bro, bad in the homer is pretty cool. Uh, my favorite fan story: I was at the hundred uh, year uh, Fenway celebration. That was really cool. Um, they had like your boy Tom Brady was there. They had, right. Everybody was there. If Tom there, it's they, a big they dropped, deal. Bro. They dropped the they dropped the banner off the monster uh, opening day. My so my buddy, big Bri, Brian, back home. His family had uh, season tickets through the company, their family business. And the first year I went to opening day, they won the World Series. So then it was like just a superstition thing. And then, um, yeah, we just stuck to it. And then it became just an annual tradition for us to go opening day. Um, the 100-year one was cool, though. They, I always loved the flyovers. Flyovers are great. Uh, they had the Green Mountain Boys do it in, in Fenway. So my freshman year, our freshman year of college was 9-11 uh, happened. So I'm practicing up at school. And every hour on the hour, the Vermont, uh, the Green Mountain Boys, that's what they call them. Um, they would take off, off out of the Burlington airport and just circle, just patrol the skies. So I always have like a connection. I always think of that when uh, when I was at opening day, these jets just flying over. I just love it. It's awesome. I don't think I have a fan story for opening day. Really? I, opening I day is get... cool. It's like, there's, it's like uh, Hope Springs Eternal, that whole thing. Uh, everybody's got a chance, even though they don't. No, it's opening day. It's like it's good vibes. They have like all ceremonies and stuff. I'm always amazed at the production of it, where it's like that first pitch has to happen based on that TV schedule. <laughs> and it is. I mean, I, I'd be very curious to know what the rehearsal is for these type of things. Like, there's people in the background doing so much work. It's it's very impressive. Well, I remember they would, especially the games that I played where there's been the pregame production, whether it be the WBC or playoffs or whatever. You, you go in and you see the board and it's all different. You have to be at this spot at this time. Um, but other than, as a fan, I don't think I have a fan opening day story. You calling Ian Hap's leadoff homer to lead off the 2000, what was it, 18 season? I remember that. Yeah, yeah I, I forget that. that. Um, as a player, does it, it's first day, so it's that's like always just a train wreck anyway in terms of of routines yeah i mean spring training so long it almost doesn't feel like opening day that my my in my experience anyway like i would always get excited about opening day and independent ball because spring training was so short and you know you're excited to get out there and play but it's crazy because first of all every climate that i played in was freezing so uh my i didn't have a major league opening day in 2013, I had we opened in Buffalo, so it was six degrees. And 2014, we opened in Chicago, so it was nine degrees. 2015, I opened in where did we open? 2015, it must have been Rochester. Uh, oh, uh, no, it was actually Buffalo when I was playing with the Blue Jays, so at home against yeah. Rochester. 2016, we opened in Tampa, which was nice. So we were indoors and it was warm out. I was I was there for that whole series. That place was a dump. Yeah. I like Tampa. I, I hit good there. I, as a fan, 
it's like you're in a middle school. It's all like cinder, like the the block yeah. masonry stuff. It's it's painted like this robin's egg blue. It's just yeah. The innards. The inside. Innards you, you don't know what time it is. You, you never know what time it is because it's like if you, it's like a casino. It's like there's, it's like fake. It's you know. Yeah. It, I, I did not enjoy watching four games in a row there. You should try catching a fly ball in the outfield when it's daytime there. You can't see it. You just literally can't see the ball. That's scary. But hey, let me tell you something about Tampa. Man, those clubhouse guys can make them a Cuban sandwich. Oof. Oof. Probably my favorite club is on the road in the big leagues. That place and Cleveland. Cleveland, because Willie, Willie and Cleveland will always have Jeff Qdoba on one of the days and get it brought in so I could eat as much queso as I wanted. Love Qdoba queso. Qdoba pregame would not work for me. No, no, no. Lunchtime when you walk in, like 1.30. Yeah, First it wouldn't time. work for me. You guys like home run derby. When I pitched the home run derby, I avoided the food. They had like a chef in there, like slicing that meat through sushi. It was like primo, and I just avoided it. I was so afraid I was gonna have to go. To the we bathroom. already had our poop. I'm just not doing it. So, hey, funny story. I wouldn't eat Qdoba before playing a baseball game. So, off completely off topic. This relates to uh, I think it was our last show when we talked about. Um, Tatis and taking third in that, like running the bases hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was watching a college game and it was 18 nothing. We talked about that, the same A's, like whatever. It was 18 nothing, and the guy tried to bunt for a hit. And a person asked me how that was different. And I said, wait a minute, what do you mean? How is that different? He said, well, the game's out of reach. So I'm curious about your thoughts on that because I had my own. So the point was, I guess the, the question was. What are we talking about? The question would be, well, how is how is Tatis running the bases hard in spring training different than a team down 18 to nothing trying to bump for a hit? Down 18 nothing bunting for a hit is kind of ridiculous. It's just like a it's a low field move. Uh, Tatis Jr. is just hustling and trying to make stuff happen. I stand by, I, I agree with you that how you do, like, you got to flip the switch and just play the game the way you play the game. Um, and you actually get hurt by not doing that. Like, you take it easy on a slide, something weird happens. It's like your body's used to playing at a certain speed. Um, that being said, I think it's a little risky in spring training to do what he did, but I, I get it. Um, bunting down 18 nothing is just stupid. It's just, not a baseball play. I guess like there's just no rules anymore. Any rule that existed previously just doesn't matter. How about Eloy Jimenez hurt his shoulder the other day going after the worst home run rob of all time? That was stupid. Yeah, it was like it was like he was just like hanging up there for fun and then he just yeah. ruptured his pec tendon, I think. Is that what it was? Yeah. He's that's, gonna miss that's good. What's he gonna miss? Three months? Uh, I think I thought I saw five to six months, but that ain't could it. Be wrong. That, that ain't it. That was a dumb play. Like, uh, it's like gambling, though. Like, it, like you used to you always talk about poker. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm good at it, but if your chips are on the table, you can lose them. If you step on the field, you can get hurt. Like, right. It's, it's part but of the it. Jimenez. So I, let's let's make. So this is why I, I brought this up. So running hard from first to third on a play or taking an extra base, to me, is not. It's not doing anything stupid. You're just playing baseball. 
But when you go up to try to not rob a homer in a spring training game because you couldn't catch it anyway because it, it was way too far away, and then you just hang on the fence, that's stupid. Like, that was stupid. Yeah, but guys like Terrell Bleak sneezing. So, like, packing luggage, they, like, trip on a curb or something. Like, weird stuff happens. It's, yeah, but why are you trying to rob a homer that you can't rob? Well, that doesn't really make much sense. I, didn't, I only saw like, I only saw the side angle. I only saw close. the side angle where he jumped. I didn't see like the actual. wasn't close. Ball. wasn't wasn't close. But the good thing is he's already getting paid. So at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. He's still I mean, gonna suck for him. But... Sucks for the White Sox, but uh, there's more anyway. more at bats for Adam Engel. Maybe, hopefully. Uh, players and teams to watch this year. Who? Who are you intrigued by? Who do you – are you going to watch baseball this year? How much baseball do you typically watch? I saw something about this uh, on Twitter. People were talking about this. So one thing that's funny is in high school and college, you always play in opposing schedules. So, like, the baseball team can never watch the softball team. Right. Um, this was, like – it was all in relation to the NCAA women's tournament, not getting any strength equipment, and that was ridiculous. Um, but that's gotten plenty of airtime, so we don't need to hash that out. But there, were people were talking about like equal rights and parity, and you know that whole thing. Capitalism, and man. I was, I always thought it was funny how like I couldn't even as a baseball player, I could not support the softball players by going to their games. Like the scheduling made it impossible. I was just thought that was ironic. Yeah, I want to touch on that real quick because. I talked about this. I was at watching Boston College play yesterday. And I, as much as I certainly appreciate the fact that, and I, I, I know, and I even said this to the, to the young ladies that I was talking to, I said, I think women should have every opportunity. I hope their sports grow immensely. I think there's some great female athletes. I've uh, met a bunch of them, uh, certainly passionate and, and uh, care about their sports. The issue at hand is, and I don't know if you saw this statistic, but Oral Roberts, by getting to the Sweet 16, uh, it's estimated that they made $52 million for the school. Like, that's yeah. a big deal. They, they won two games. They well, made there was, a, there was a number that it was like the men's tournament made $847 million. I believe that was the number. And the yeah. women's tournament lost $2 million, something to change. So, like, if you look at it from a purely economic standpoint, and like, if it was if this was an RTB situation, a run the business situation, then you wouldn't give say you wouldn't put on the same show for both sides. Uh, the TV deals are different. The just everything it, it is different. But the NCAA, I believe, according to their bylaws, according to what the NCAA is, it's supposed to be equal, and that's it's a good thing. But at the same time, like if women's sports are going to grow, that people need to show up. People like thank they, you. They need to make money. They have to make money. Um, it's uh, it's just the reality of it. And like, go to games, watch it on TV, buy their jerseys. Like you have to. The business side of it has to be there. Um, it's it's kind of like you're they're swimming upstream. It's your right now because the revenue's not there. It's it's forced. It's not a natural progression of what's happening. And that's just the reality of, of what it is right now. It's, I'm not trying to say that women don't deserve equal opportunities or anything of that nature. 
But the reality of the situation is the economics are vastly different. I'm and curious to the, see. At the professional level, did you see the, the meme? It was like uh, LeBron James and, and uh, Sue Bird. Like they no. basically had the exact same career. They played the same number of years, won the same number of t- championships, won the same number of MVPs. It's like they've had the exact same career, like 18 years. And like LeBron's bonus for winning the, the title is like more or this is very similar to her annual salary. It's like they've had the same careers. It's like, look at the TV deals, look at the merch, look at the, the business side of the game is so much more developed. I have no idea what the union situation is on the women's side of the game, but I'm sure that's a factor. So here, here's what I'll say. It's got to be international. It's got to be international. It's got to like, it has to grow. And it needs support here's what I'll say to all that. I think because of the digital footprint that everybody has now through social media and the opportunity to kind of brand themselves, I'm curious to see what happens in the next 15 years now that social media and the opportunity for any one individual to literally build a brand for themselves, right? Uh, That should, I think, at least help female athletes, current female athletes, professionals um, really, I guess, blossom is is the name um, or, or at a minimum create the same amount of visibility because everybody's getting their information not through mass media as much as they are through individual channels that really um, allow for this freedom of not any one individual or programming being created. So it'll be interesting. And I think, I think the responsibility and the onus is on, uh, on young ladies to really, like you said, to, to really engage. And I think it, it, it's certainly much more plausible to be a young woman athlete now and dream about making a living playing your sport. Um, yeah, I mean, now now compared to 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it's very different. The uh, That Athletes Unlimited League that started up, mm-hmm. um, I know they did their softball. I, I'm pretty sure they're doing that in all sports. They're trying they're to doing do volleyball that. right now. Started with softball yeah. and volleyball. I, I don't know what the exact business format is with that. Um, do the play, Is it player-owned? Is that how that works? Or player-run? Yeah, supposedly they have – uh, they have, there's, there's, so there's no, there's no front offices. There's no executives running the teams. The whole, the whole thing is run by the players and their performances dictate their bonuses and their opportunities to earn within it. Um, yeah. I, I would say they've gone a step. What, one, one way, uh, look at what major league baseball does. They got some smart people working for their front office and people may not like the baseball decisions they make, but from a revenue standpoint, they've done a really good job and you need, you need people in those roles trying to solve those problems and think about what those people think about. And uh, I think I the athletes unlimited thing back to the athletes unlimited thing. I think it's a cool concept, but I think they've taken it almost one step too far because now there's no team, there's no team element to any of it. So there's no, there's no play, there's no postseason, there's no playoffs. Everything's about the individuals and the individual, the individual's performance. So they, they, they create value uh, at the captains for every week are, are created by like the, the highest performing players based on the point system that they have in place, which it, it really does make it just like a fantasy sport. But I, mm-hmm. if you take, it's a team sport. So if you take away any incentive of winning and really having that, that camaraderie and, and, and a team being able to take it down the wire, like some of the, I would say most of the greatest moments in sports history in team sports came because, uh, teams were able to do ridiculous things. And, and within that, there were certainly individual performances, but 
I think it's the the mixture of those two dynamics. There's a there's definitely a storyline component to a season, to ticket sales, to the the sports centers of the world picking up stories and talking about them. Like it's all part of it. Uh, look what the NCAA tournament does. It's just action packed, single elimination mayhem. It's March Madness. They literally call it March Madness. There's a lot of uh, the whole season builds up to that moment. So if there's no like build up to a moment, then what's the season? Uh, yeah, that was a good tangent. We got on that because we asked what players and teams you want to watch. I want to watch Juan Soto. I'm going to follow him. He's my favorite player. Him and Sal Freilich are my two favorite players. Soto's good. Sal Freilich's pretty good. Juan Soto's better, and he's probably, he's probably younger too, which is crazy. <laughs> um, because he's doing it in the big leagues, and he's probably two years younger. Oh, that's funny. Sal, Fre- Sal Freilich is the uh, center fielder for Boston College. If anybody's wondering. I think he has projected top six pick recently. Yeah. I think he's the best player in the country. I, I, Jack Ryder might be the only one that's better than him, but we're just talking about a completely different position. He's just fun to watch, man. He has presence. Um, oh, you know who else is fun to watch? You got to watch this kid, Brito, hit from Rutgers. Oof, it's I dangerous. Saw, I saw his grand slam today. He's got nine homers. He's got it, a bunch of – It's dangerous. It's like 35 dude. homers. 35 RBI, not 35. Yeah, RBI. it's dangerous. I it's saw dangerous. our boy Evan was two for two to start the day with a hit by three for five, two, three for fives in the series. Hit a homer today in his last at bat. Good job. Keep going. Love to see it. Love to see it. Uh, Padres are going to be fun to watch. The Padres, the Dodgers. I hope the Padres and Dodgers go down, down the wire. That Did you awesome hear? For baseball. So, do you realize that the Dodgers have a rotation issue because? They're going with Kershaw on opening day. Bauer's going to throw second, I think. Walker Bueller's going to throw third. Uh, That's sick. Walker Bueller being a three is stupid. Yeah. And then, so they, they're having issues with it's Urias, Dustin May, and Price. So you have three guys, to, two spots. So they're talking about David Price going to the bullpen while he makes $217 million. Like, that's, those, that's a first-world problem if I've ever seen one. And first problems, man. They don't even they don't even need to like first of all trading one of those guys, Urias and May are babies, so there's no point in getting rid of them because they have team control. Price won't be able to ship because he's too expensive. That's wild. Bueller's your three. What a joke. think about that rotation. How about <laughs> the guy making their bullpen, their bullpen is stacked too? Their bullpen is thick. How about, yeah, Gratterall, uh, the other dude, uh, they, they just uh, – Jan, Jansen's their worst pitcher. He's their closer. They're sick up and down. Yeah, because they pay money to get players. It's weird what happens when you do that. Uh, Corey Knable is on their, on their team now too, and um, he trained out of, out of True Grand and 180 here where, where we're at down here. And apparently his numbers are better than what they were when he was an all-star. And he's like yeah. coming off a of no season. Yeah. And oh, by the way, like speaking just of picking double, up a reliever that's an all-star. That's Corey, Corey Seager might sneaky be the best shortstop in baseball. Like I always go to Lindor right away. Corey Seager might be the best all-around shortstop in baseball. He's really big. He's awesome. He's like six four, right? He's unbelievable, dude. He, he's his, his hips are weird. Whenever I see him run and stuff, his hips, like the way he runs, he's so effortless and so strong. You forget he's like 6'5". 
And he doesn't wear any flare. Just short sleeve shirt and batting gloves. No wristbands, no arm sleeve, no flare. Just boring. That's probably why nobody pays attention to it. They got him listed at 6'4", 215. Tell you what, I'm watching, I got the Dodgers Angels on right now. Max Stassi's hair looks amazing. I texted him. Nice. I was like, dude, your hair is good right now. It's got like a mullet. I think mullets are back. It's like we're back in the 80s. I don't think um, mullets ever officially came back. People tried, but people are saying like, yeah, go with the mullet. So, you know, like the, the faux hawk that, that you went with, now it's just turning into more of a mullet. It's now it's just the sides and the, it's still party in the back more so than it was when it was what you had. Yeah, cool. I think it's. I think it's happening. What, all right, let, let's. What What do you got on the American League? I, I call. I predicted the National League. That, that's definitive. If I say it out loud, it's definitely going to happen. So the National League shouldn't even play, and they should just go right to the playoffs. And Corey Seager is like my dark horse to win the the National League MVP. Go with the American League. Pick the American League for me. I got some predictions. I I literally need to look up the different teams that are in the in the different leagues. So let's um, let's walk through the East. Right. So let's go the East. The Yankees have to be the team to beat there. There, if they swing the bat, did the did the Rays like we bring every? I feel like the Rays overperformed last year. Um, Pitching staff's good. Yeah. The only guys they lost is Snell, really, and they got Blue Randy Rose a real deal. Blue Jays could be sneaky. So I got those are the three teams in the East that I think could. Could all make the playoffs. I think Tampa. Are the Red Sox going to stink this year? Uh, I think they can surprise people, but I think they're five hundred at best. Uh, and Baltimore, Baltimore's a non-factor in the Central. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City non-factor. Uh, the Twins can be okay. Uh, the, the White Tigers? Sox are going to be really good. What's that? The Tigers don't have anybody. Los Tigres are no bueno. Cabrera could be 3,000 hit, 500 homer this year. Just stay healthy, Miguel, please. Please. Yeah, I would love for him to have another, like, big year. And the Indians could be okay. So out of, out of the Central, you've got the Twins, the Indians, and, and the White Sox. The White Sox are going to win, win the division. Uh, one of those two teams could sneak into the wild card, but I doubt it. Um, and, and then you go to the West, um, Oakland. Oakland's always there. Houston's going to be there. Right. I would. I just. It'd be awesome if the Angels made the playoffs. Joe Madden led Angels. Let's go. That's what I got. That's if, my pick to win the I West. Mean, let's just let's mix Mike Trout into the playoff picture, please. That's my pick to win the West. I don't think they have any pitching, but they'll figure it out. Then yeah. you get a look. At, then it's Rangers, Astros, and Mariners. Are the Astros going to be Pools, okay? Albert Albert Pouls had a double the other day, and I tweeted about it. I said, wow. I said, he looks fleet, meaning fast, because he was slow. He looked really slow. He had like a two hopper to the corner, and he almost got thrown out at second. I was like, Albert, you got to get on your horse, man. Get another horse. He got 3,000 hits, 600 homers, and how many RBIs? 1,500. He's so slow. He's my favorite, but. Well, he ain't fast. He never was fast. Uh, has he's got way more stolen bags than you do in the big leagues, way more than me. So, who am I to talk? I got two in one season. What are we talking about? I'm gonna look it up right now. 2015, I got two bags. Albert Pools, remember, he, he's sneaky fast. 
Uh, Nobody ever let me run, Bobby. How about this? Get, give me your what, – what is Albert Pujols' career best in a season stolen bags? 19. 16. He did it twice. I'm good at Albert Pujols, that. Albert Pujols has 114 careers <laughs> stolen base. 114 and caught stealing 41 times. That's pretty good. What about Chris Caldwell? Two for six. I don't want to look you up. You should just know. Two for five. You should know how many stolen bases you have. I know I have two. I had two in Toronto. And one of them was part of a double steal where I literally stopped in the base pass and they threw home. I was about to say that. And you got thrown out three times. You are are in your four-year major league career. You're two for three. Two for five. You got thrown out three times. Two for five. I told you. I knew it. But I was two for three that year. Hey, 66% clip that year. It's nasty. No, you were two. You were two for two that year. Oh, even better. Why wouldn't they I let me run more? Lead. Why you would they let me run more? Lead in, in stolen base success rate. And the funny thing is, is they would have let me run more. We were on our own. We could steal whatever we wanted. You know what the the That's issue, just, the issue, the issue is your red light Colabella, not green light Colabella. <laughs> That's true. What's your tornadoes days? Red light. But if Andy, you're two for Andy two, Lacombe shout out right there. Here, here's the problem: is if you if you're two for two. Like, I could have run whenever I wanted. I, I opted out. I just opted out. They gave you a green light? Everybody has a green light. It's the big leagues. You have a green light all the time. I don't think that's true. No, that's a fact. I need to take a poll. Fact. Oh, huh? that, that, that deserves a Twitter poll. I need a Twitter poll on that. Not that tw- the hit... Hitting Twitter probably doesn't know the answer to that question. So I'll, I'm going to tell you this right few now. Of hitter is I'm going to tell you this. this right now. The 2015 Toronto Blue Jays, we had the bunt sign, we had the steal sign. The only time, like, if they gave you the steal sign, you had to go, but you were green otherwise. Until you lost that privilege. So when we would go into our scouting meetings, I'd be like, they would talk about how fast guys were to play, you know, what their moves look like. and And then, you know, uh, Tim Lee for the first base coach would bring card over to all the guys that were like base dealers. And I'd always put my hand out to see like, where's my card? Like, I want to know. And he wouldn't give it, it to me. So you didn't have the green light. I did have the green light. The guys that were base dealers. I mean, I was stealing base at a thousand percent or a hundred percent, whatever it is. I should probably get the card, but I opted out. I told him, I was like, nah, segue. big segue coming up. Speaking of the speed of the game. You and I had a conversation the other day about college basketball versus NBA basketball. And my comment was college basketball is more fun to watch, there's more energy, but I've been watching more NBA basketball of late through the influence of producer Patrick. And it's stunning how much more skilled NBA players are. And you made the comment, you're like, yeah, the NBA seems like it's moving slow, much like MLB. I would like you to expand on that because I know you were at a college baseball game this weekend. We talk about the don't poop down your leg factor. There's a big strong poop theme to our pickle episodes. Uh, yeah. the, the don't the don't poop your, down your leg movement. Um, just talk about that, the speed of the game. Because I think the casual fan, I don't know that the pickle audience is a casual fan, but the casual fan has no clue how fast the game is in moments. Like they just watch people taking pitches and not swinging and they're like, Oh, nothing's happening. And then when stuff happens, it's like lightning. 
the game can move around you if you don't play at the right speed. Like, like there's moments where you feel like you're standing still and the game is like happening and you're frozen. Um, you go, you talk about it. I think major league players are very hyper aware of the time clock and the speed that the game's played at. And because of that, they're able to just do very routine things that look super calm and controlled. And it's funny to me because I watch college players play sometimes. They try to do things super, super fast. Like their feet move fast, their arms move fast, and their bodies get out of whack often. And, and I, that's, I think, the cause of a lot of errors. Where in the major leagues, if you see guys feel the ground ball, everything looks under control. And then they know when they need to go get more to make a throw across the infield. You're just very, very aware of the times where you need to actually go faster. And even when you do, you stay under control. I think people look at the NBA and they say, oh, these guys don't play defense. And I, I disagree wholeheartedly. I think people play exceptional defense. But what happens is they, they become very aware of when their defense is not going to matter uh, when they they should they can't close out on a shooter because they'll never get there in time, and realistically it won't make a difference because in the NBA guys really don't miss when they're open. Like Steph Curry hit a hundred threes in a row one time at practice. A hundred. Like, do you know how hard it is to make a hundred threes in a row for a person? So, the NBA guys are so skilled. It's going from like NCAA tournament to NBA. The, the college players stink, and they're so good, but they stink compared to the right. NBA guys. And I, I'll never forget I, I, when I sat – the first time I sat courtside was in Minnesota. As uh, They told me as a, a, an award a reward, or a reward for winning American League Player of the Week, they, get, they got me courtside tickets, and they were playing the Spurs. And this is in the middle of the, the Parker, Duncan, Ginobili years. And I'll never forget – I was knee-to-knee with Manu. And – I just can't – I just remember thinking to myself, this guy is so tall but so skinny. Like, look, just frail. And Duncan looked even more frail. But then I watched him get on the court, and for dudes their size, like, they were moving – it looked like ballet almost, right? And it was so calculated and rhythmic and just very aware of what they needed to do to be able to – get around defenders, play around picks, where passes needed to go. That's why a guy like, if you watch Nikola Jokic, the Joker, it's incredible to watch what that guy does because he sees four steps ahead of everybody else and he plays at seven feet and probably 260. I can call him the Pillsbury Doughboy. I think that's a good nickname for him. because he Seven just, feet, 260 seems light for somebody that's seven feet tall. But maybe, no, it's big. Like, I don't know, 320. I don't, I don't know what his, what his peripherals are. I don't know. He's got to be a seven-footer. He's six, at least 6'11". He's a point center. Maybe he's 330. I don't know. Maybe he's 350. I, I have no they, idea. They got, they got, he's listed at uh, 6'11", 284. So I was right on the money. And you called me out. 20, 24 pounds light. Wait, so they, on a seven-footer, 24 pounds can go in your armpit and you wouldn't even notice. That's what I'm saying. On, it's a bro. big body. It's a big body, big frame to deal with. You know, you know what a big frame is? Played high school basketball. Six eleven. I played high school basketball against seven foot six inch Neil Finkelman. Yeah, that's that's, just, that's like a different level. He was on Game of Thrones. He played the. Uh, he ended up becoming an actor. He passed away recently. Um, yeah, 
I think there's a, there's a level of precision and balance with like that, those NBA guys, MLB guys. I remember watching Jeter one time and he just was, everything was so controlled. His body was always balanced. There was nothing like out of place. You go to like a youth game and kids are crumbling. They, they feel the ground ball and it's like fall down. Well, remember, no I think I said this, I think I said this on a show. I was when, when, uh, when Trezzo was coaching at LIU Brooklyn, I went to a game. They played against Adelphi in the fall. It was, I think it was either my first or second year in the big leagues. And his team made like 10 errors in a day. Like they played one of those long days. And I remember one of the kids was like, you must hate watching this. You play in the big leagues. Like, this is terrible. I said, no, I love watching baseball. I said, people make mistakes all the time. Even in the big leagues, you make errors. But you learn from your errors, right? Like you learn from your mistakes and then you don't make them again. And that's why errors are so much fewer and further in between. Like bad errors, anyway, are very hard to find the big leagues. Now, you can make the argument that play on really nice fields and surfaces. Like I, I'm such a snob right now that I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go to your casual high school baseball field and take a ground ball. Like I just wouldn't do it. There's three things I've become a snob about. Field surface, batter's eyes, and the balls that you hit in batting practice. Yeah, I mean everything else. I don't. I feel like you've earned that right to be snobby about those things. Thank you. I'm snobby about pens. I just like I like Pilot G2 pens with good ink flow. If you give me a pen with bad ink flow, I'm gonna judge you. Yeah, I like the O5s, but the sevens will work. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm a fine guy. That's because of you, and you do that cool twist thing around your finger. I don't know how you. Oh, I just did it, but I don't do it good. I did it. I'll do it. I did it. I, I, I just learned how to do it, except not consistently. This is what I did that one year studying for finals in college. I couldn't uh, couldn't do anything. So I just, yeah, tough with the green screen effect going right now. I kind of got it. Do that. Oh, and you spin it. You want to hear a great story about today? I've really been working on my Bella's final dance from Pitch Perfect. Okay. And I, I crushed it today. I crushed it. Good job. Should we talk about my movie ranking system? Because I think that's important. We we should we're gonna save that for another time. That needs. Okay. To, I think we actually did talked about it when we talked about movies, uh, baseball movies. But let's move on. Uh, this is this is a topic that's very important to me. Got uh, prompted by a Facebook post. There's a family out in Colorado that I've known through my website and books and whatever. Um, but we're Facebook friends and I follow his son kid hit a couple homers today raked and the dad posted like, Oh, he's finally out of his slump. And I said, slumps are only real if you believe they're real. And this is a very important thing that I, I made a point of emphasis in when I played to just never believe in slumps. If you believe in slumps, I feel like you're, you've mentally accepted that you're not, you know, at your best, you're, you're, you're giving in to failure and just don't do it. Just If you just don't do it, if you don't believe in slumps, then you're never in a slump. And you're always like just one swing away. You're always in it. But I feel like as, long, as soon as you say the word slump, it's like the word shank in golf. Or the, the, if you say the word yip, which yips are a little bit different. But uh, if you believe in slumps, then slumps are real. If you don't believe in slumps, slumps are real. And that's it. Just don't ever believe in a slump and you won't be in a slump. Slump's definitely not a thing. It's not a thing. To me, like slump, a slump is like mental weakness. 
yep. showing up in your words. If you, exactly just, if, you, if you know what you're going to be working on, if you know, if you're paying attention to your failure, right? Like you're either hitting the ball hard and getting unlucky or you're not hitting the ball hard and there's a reason for it. So go Let's take a time out. reason. Let's take a time out. Why? Why? Why does yesterday's at bat have anything to do with today? How, like how, how could it? Why would it? Like what, what impact does yesterday's at bat have on today? Not zero. As I, I just it doesn't, said. it doesn't if you don't let it. As long as you don't let it, then it doesn't. So I hate when parents do it. Parents do it a lot. They're like, oh, he's in a slump. And what you mean is he just hasn't gotten hits in the last four games, or he's gotten one hit in the last four games. And the reality of that is that that's going to happen to everyone over the course of time. So even just saying the word slump, first of all, you're insinuating that major league players and the best players in the world don't go through stretches where they don't get hits. Uh, to your point, like a slump is conceding that you're an out. And that to me is really upsetting because I, I have college guys that go through it. And, and this is the difficult part about baseball. And this is the part that's not getting addressed enough now is because everybody's trying to take care of their swing, right? They're trying to take care of metrics and they're trying to take care of numbers. They're not taking care of what it takes to, to deal with the failure that is inherent in baseball. Like, Three for 10 is Hall of Fame, right, at the big league level. And sure, we can say that, you know, in high school, you should hit 400 or 500 or whatever to be good, considered good. But those are all arbitrary. Like, they're just whatever. They don't matter. It depends on your level of competition and a bunch of other things that go into it. But I get really angry when people try to say, talk about slumps because they're just not they're just not real. It, like now, if you made the argument to me, like, oh, somebody's in a shooting slump because they missed, they just missed ten shots tonight. They were like went two for eighteen from the floor or whatever. I'd be like, all right, well, it's not shooting it well tonight. But it's still not a like it's not a slump. It's there's something bigger going on that you're letting affect your confidence in yourself to do what you're supposed to do in any given moment in time of competition. Is that fair? Like, it bothers me, man. Yeah. It bothers me because when you compete, you have to be strong mentally. I get irritated yeah. by it. Just, just don't, don't believe in slumps. What was the uh, the Mookie Wilson and dinosaurs? Mookie Wilson dinosaur quote. Have you ever heard this? <laughs> Bless you. I, think I have. Thank you. Refresh me. Mookie Wilson. The quote is. When I'm in a slump, I comfort myself by saying, if I believe in dinosaurs, then somewhere they must be believing in me. And if they can believe in me, then I can believe in me. Then I bust out. <laughs> it's incredible. That's some deep stuff, man. That it's is, uh, that's real. That, that happened. Newspaper clipping. Um, yeah. Believe in yourself. The rest is up to me. Don't go chasing what? No? You can keep going if you want. No, it's like that line. Next topic. Next topic. So don't believe in slumps. Uh, Jack Leiter is good at pitching. Next topic. 
Right. And his kid's unreal. Uh, good for Tim Corbin. What a guy. Took him out. Doesn't need to continue throwing pitches in an 11 or nothing game. Uh, the kid hasn't given up a hit in 16 innings of SEC competition. Um, the, the question from producer Patrick, which I think is absolutely absurd, is should Jack Leiter just opt out the rest of the year and just wait for the draft? Like, is he the number one draft? Has he proven himself enough? Uh, I think if you go to college baseball, you go for the – like, he's trying to go to Omaha and win. That's why he did it. Next topic. There. You said it. Next topic. Yeah. So, producer Patrick, when you're editing this – no, you don't opt out. You went, not, you went to let, Vanderbilt to get a ring. Let's not forget. And by the way, he's having fun right now. Like, and, and, he oh, wants the ball. Let's not forget this. Just because everybody knows that you're nasty, you still haven't done anything. You're going to get paid a lot of money in like two months, which is cool, and all this good jazz. You ain't done nothing yet, dog. Like, the prospect's only a prospect till he's a suspect. And – I get irritated by what happens in today's day and age because the game is about being good over the course of time. Like in order to be good, you have to be good for a long time to be considered good. You have to be good over and over and over and over again. Now. Yeah. Should you opt out of playing the game because you're afraid to get hurt? Well, then you should just opt out of everything. Like, what are we talking about? I, I it, it happens a lot now. Happens a lot now in the uh, the football. football. I call the bowl games. Yeah, I get it. Christian McCaffrey did it. I'm talking about a different so sport. Football. At what? Yeah. So at what point is the risk of catastrophic injury enough? Like, what's the threshold? Let's bear in mind that those so guys, say, are, say those guys are opting out of a bowl game that is making them no money, that is not for a national championship, and is only allowing their school to make more money off of them. So in those scenarios, I get it. But so what happens if let's say let's say Jack Leiter was playing for a team that wasn't even in contention for Omaha? Is there any there. scenario in he's which like that Friday night guy. is there any he, scenario in which that guy's on a team and they're not in contention to go to Omaha? Well, let's just say let's say he went to a school that he, and he just developed like crazy. He he busted out of the winter workouts throwing a hundred. And he's just shoving. So we're going to say that that guy wins every Friday, right? Like he wins every Friday, basically. So that's one win per Friday. So you already have 20. They're not getting 20. They're getting 11 starts in college, not 20. All right, 11. So you won 11 games. Are you not winning any of the so other 40? They're, they're 11. They're maybe they're 20 and 30. And, and you're still going to a conference tournament, which means you still have a chance. Because you won eleven conference, you won eleven conference games. You don't, no, you don't know that because he could have shoved, and then his team just didn't score any runs. Uh, there's no scenario in which Jack Leiter pitches for a team that's not in contention. Because if you have that I'm guy, you have saying, a shot. There's not there's, a thing. There's situations. There's situations where you got an absolute stud pitcher who's on a bad team that they're not going to win anything. What's the threat? I'm just asking the. I'm being playing devil's advocate. I know. What's, What's the, the threshold? threshold? There isn't one. Talking about baseball, like you're a pitcher, it's pitch. It's your job. The bowl game are thing. Like, I, are they doing? Full, I, I uh, don't understand bowl games in college because who wants to play for 48th place? You're playing a final game for 48th place because it's creating revenue for your. It's just money. It's just money. It's just money. Bowl games are stupid. Just play a bunch of playoff games. That's different. 
I'm sure they get a cool swag bag. The college football uh, playoff should go to 32 teams or 16 at least. The best part of college sports is the tournaments. The issue with that is it would take – how many weekends would that take? What would it take? What would it take to play a 16-team playoff? It would take four weeks. Do you know how long they go between conference championship game and national title game? Six weeks. 32 to 16, 16 to 8, 8 to 4, 4 to 2. It would take five weeks, not four weeks. Whatever. Same thing. <clears throat> the only reason they can't do it is I mean, it's Christmas break, right? It's Christmas break, but you do it. You could do it. I think it would be awesome. 16-team college football playoff, man, or 32-team college football playoff. Nasty. Nasty. Even if it was 16, like a sweet 16 in, in college, that would be nasty. They should do it. They won't. There's too much money in the bowl games. Yeah, but they so all, you would just replace all your bowl games. You would just replace all your bowl games with playoff games. Could you do an NIT for, uh, for everybody else? NIT was stupid. That's why it's not a thing. Do they stop doing it? Yeah, I don't think there's not a, such a thing as the NIT tournament anymore. Like, were you playing in the in the best losers tournament? Come on, guys. It's a national invitational tournament. They, they I, invite the teams that maybe maybe got snubbed. That ain't it. Hey, how brutal is it that how brutal is it that teams are are like getting coveted out of tournaments? Like it happened in the hockey tournament too. VCU had it happen to him in basketball. It's yeah, kind of sad, right. Yeah, I did Notre Dame in hockey, VCU in basketball. Yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? There's and the number one ranked, protocols. the number one ranked team hockey team in the the number one ranked hockey team in the country, out before the Frozen Four, Boston College lost four to one. Out. And is that a three game series or one game? One game. It's a tournament. They were they were in the Northeast Regional Final. I thought they, I thought they did it like uh, I thought they did it like uh, the Super Regionals in uh, no, baseball. They don't. Also, they straight Frozen Four. Yeah, Frozen Four. Saint Cloud State beat them. They're good. Scored three goals in the second period, all with like with less than eight minutes left. I watched all through. Alex made me change the channel. And then they scored their first one as soon as we turned it. And then they scored two more after. 3 1 into the second. Game over. So it's Alex's fault. Yeah. It's Harvin Sock and Haversack. What's it called? Mar Marvin Sock and Haversack. Something like that. Uh, post show. Last topic. MVP pick for the 2021 MLB season. I already told you. I'm AL going. AL and NL. NL. I'm going Goldschmidt with my backup as Seeger. Those are my 1A and 1B. I think they're terrible picks, but we're going to take them. Seager, I, have, I don't think it's a bad pick at all because they're going to win a lot of games. I, I would love to go with Soto or Lindor, but I can't. Soto's, not, Soto's team's not going to win enough. And Lin, if Lindor gets this extension, which I heard he had dinner with Steve Cohen, which is probably going to get the extension. Yeah, but the, well, the ravioli okay. wasn't good. Yeah. How, how does this guy be worth that much money and he goes to a restaurant with bad ravioli? With bad ravioli. How does that happen? How does that happen? He said it with was a sauce. With bad ravioli. How do you go to a restaurant with bad ravioli? 
My mom makes good ravioli. He should he should be eating gold, like he which would taste worse than ravioli. But at I least that ravioli. Gold. He should have gone to my mom's house. She makes really Silvana good. should ravioli. send him a plate. Yeah, yeah, Silvana should send him a plate of ravioli. Um, uh, so you got? I got. So I'm gonna go trout. American League trout. That's like a He's such a gar- that's a garbage pick. He's so he, good. Yeah, he had a big letdown year last year. Huh? He had a big let he had a big letdown year last year. I think he's going to bounce back and win the MVP. And I, I do want them to win, so it's kind of like a hopeful pick. I hope my internet just didn't go out because my TV just turned off. No, you're good. No, I'm good. I I'm got right there for a second. I got I, I sneaky got Jose Abreu back in in the conversation. Yeah, because uh, they're going to be they're going to win. They're going to win. Um, which right. which which Yankee is going to be in the conversation is the question you have to ask yourself. Lemayhew, obviously. If Judge stays if Judge stays healthy, I would like to see what Judge can do in a full healthy year. He hasn't really done that yet. Yeah, he should hit four hundred with eighty. I would like to see what happens. Um, National League, I want Fernando Tatis Jr. to win because he's electric. Um, I would want Soto to win, but like you said, they're not going to win enough, and there's too many other good players. I love Juan Soto. He's my favorite player. So good. Said that twice. Him and South Bradley. And who's my American League pick? Who's in, Nobody in the West can win it. Bregman could sneak. Like, if the Astros win, could Bregman could do it. Altuve could do it. I don't think any of the writers would vote so. for the, either of those two guys. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, American League West. Trout from the West. Not Olsen, Olsen, Olsen or Chapman. That's it. It's going to be a player in the AL East. Sneaky pick, Bo Bichette. George Springer. I forgot to get Springer. Marcus Simeon. No, Marcus Simeon. He's not an MVP caliber player, even though he snuck into the conversation. And then the Central, you're looking at like a Nelson Cruz – or one of the White Sox would just pose it. it was ready to use my pick over there. But like a guy like Grandall could sneaky and be in the conversation if he just has good numbers for a catcher. Lewis Robert. I got a, I got a hard no on Grandall for MVP. He's a nice player, but no. Do you think Lewis Robert can just not swing at balls this year? If he doesn't swing at balls, he'll win the MVP. That's nasty. If he swings at at balls, he's gonna have trouble. But he's very good. Look at my hair right now. Look at that. It's getting long. Hey, um, UFC Francis Ngannou, new heavyweight champion. Did he Francis. win like seven fights in like three months? What was it? What was the pace? No, he just won a bunch guy, of fights. This guy is an absolute animal. He had he ended up fighting. He only had one fight in like the last year and a half. He's a monster. This guy hits like nobody I've ever seen before. He has like the most knockout, the most first round finishes ever. And he just beat Stipe, who's like he's the best heavyweight champion of all time, like according to the title defenses and stuff like that. And Stipe handled him the last time. Like Stipe is like 30 pounds less than him. And kind of had to be the champion at some point because it's to have a guy with this kind of knockout power is is really cool for the division. Um interesting John Jones is gonna go up and that's probably gonna be his first fight. I don't know if I, I'm a John Jones guy too. And like, dude, it's scary to fight a guy that can hit you like that and put your lights out. Like his knockout punch with John Stipe was 
absurd. He knocked him out and then he re-knocked him out, basically, because he knocked him out. And then Stipe was like, no, nah, I'm not knocked out. And then he got re-knocked out. Go UFC. Yeah, you're, you're a big UFC guy. I'm not I bet guy. you I'm going to watch more UFC fights than I do baseball games. Okay. That I mean, might not be true. I'm going to watch a lot of college baseball. Hey, what if you're if you're a high school player that says they want to play in college, and you're not watching college baseball games? There are so many college baseball games available to watch now that I like I was I was flipping through YouTube TV and there was like eight games on today. Yeah, like all really really good games that just did not exist when we were growing. It would have been so awesome because then you would actually had a barometer to think to say see if you could actually play at a Division One school. I was terrified. I didn't hear yeah. The only the only time you could watch. The only time college games were on TV was College World Series. Um, and it was like Wichita State. I was like, where's Wichita State? What yeah. is that? I don't even know what that is. Every Division Three, uh, like a lot of the Division Three schools are, are are streaming now. Mm-hmm. They don't have their own stream. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's too easy not to. Yeah. So, uh, any other post show? It's a wrap. Sounds good. Pickle out. <laughs> <laughs>